Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. I'm your host, Damian Abraham, and once again, I'm bringing you a conversation with someone who grew up listening to punk, may or may not still be involved with punk, but had their life changed by the genre in a major way. And today on the show, oh boy, this is a good one. You may know her as evil prosecutor Emily Sinclair on How to Get Away with Murder. You may know her as Detective Mae Dunn on Barry. Sarah Burns is here, and this is... As I said off the top, this is a monster of an episode. More on that in one second. But first, if you want to get in touch with me, head over to the email address, turnedoutapunkpodcast at gmail.com. That is run by my brother and show producer and normally guest booker extraordinaire. I'll explain that in a second. Uh, Tristan Abraham. I love you, Tristan. Thank you for all your hard work. And he will get the message to me. You can also find me on Twitter or Instagram at left for Damien. There is a Turned Out of Punk YouTube page and a Turned Out of Punk TikTok. And on those platforms, I'm posting some videos. They also go up on the other things. Uh, but I'm posting videos, like these little shorts that I'm making. I'm having fun making these things. Uh, looking back on old episodes. I think I might make one for the Sarah Burns episode. You'll hear the story in the episode and see if you can guess which one that is. Uh, coming out soon. Uh, so check those platforms for those. Tristan also does a Turned Out of Punk Facebook page and Instagram page at Turned Out of Punk is where you find all that stuff. If you want to support the show, support the show by telling all your friends about it, letting them all know that you know this podcast that you love each and every week, and it's called Turned Out of Punk. And uh, you can also subscribe to it and rate it on your platform of choice. And of course, supporting our sponsors, but I'll get to that in a second as well. I uh, play in a band. We're called Fucked up we have some tours coming up uh including the west or east coast of the united states with the unbelievable dark thoughts and the uh godly restraining order and so hopefully we will see you there we just got back from the uk went on tour with the unbelievable big cheese I, i'm really lucky i'm very lucky to be in this band and get to play with so many incredible bands and and uh yeah very lucky to do that. So hopefully you'll come out and share in my uh, luck and get to see some of these bands. And and I play too. And you can we can talk about music and, and talk about this podcast and, and there. So anyway, check out fuckedup.cc for more information. Oh, and we're also going on tour with some of my favorite people in the whole wide world, Hallucination, across Canada. That will be a unbelievably fun tour. And there's some wrestling stuff that's going to be going on on that tour. We'll talk about that hopefully in the future. But now in the present, let's talk about the incredible 
Sarah Burns. That's right. Sarah Burns is the guest on the show today. Now this whole thing came about, I've been, I, first of all, I'm a fan of Sarah's work for, for years, you know, Wet Hot American Summer and, and, uh, uh, American Vandal. And uh, she's been in tons of different things. Obviously Barry and my favorite, How to Get Away with Murder. But, uh, Sarah is someone that, uh, you know, I, I had no idea was a, a, a head of punk rock was, had been involved in, I don't want to spoil any of this stuff. So you're going to hear it all in a second, but my friend Duffy hit me up, uh, shout out to Duffy Boudreaux, a friend of Sarah's friend of myself, a co-writer on, on Barry as well, hit me up and said, I was talking to Sarah and she was at one of the most infamous concerts of all time and told me the concert. And I said, oh my gosh, set this thing up. So thank you to Duffy for guest booking today's episode. And this is what the show to me is, is all about, you know, finding out that someone that, you know, you're a fan of has been involved in punk rock, but also hearing how it affected them and how it's something that you carry with you your whole life. And there's this Ken McClard essay in the Some Ideas Are Poisonous compilation that Ebullition Records put out way back when about going to college and breaking straight edge and blah, blah. But then sort of this idea that these these ideas infect your brain and you carry with them, carry them with you your whole life. And I don't know, that's once again sort of the thesis of the show, but to hear it kind of bore out in this episode, oh, I'm excited for you to hear it. Anyway, I'm not going to ramble on anymore and no more potential spoilers. Speaking of avoiding potential uh, spoilers, though, uh, Barry has got a brand new season. I don't know if Sarah's, I don't know anything about the new season. I saw the trailer. You can watch the trailer now online. It's coming out in April. Uh, oh my gosh, I'm as excited to see the show as I've ever been to see a show. This is the last season of Barry. If you have not watched this show, it's incredible. You know, Detective May Dunn, right here. But before I do, I got to give a huge shout out to our sponsor for this episode, and actually the past uh, month of episodes, Cream Magazine. It still seems very surreal that I get to say that. Cream Magazine is back, not just as a website, but in physical form. This thing is gorgeous, this magazine. It's it's oh, well well over 100 pages. I think 166 pages, I think this thing is. Um, they're in their uh, third issue has just dropped, and this thing does complete justice to the legacy of Cream, which, of course, is one of the most storied rock magazines Ever. It's kind of a think, thinking person's rock magazine and very much the same thing here. Like the contributors to this cream are, is, the list is fantastic. And you can really tell there's like a love of music that if you're a fan of this podcast, you will love this magazine. And because they believe in this podcast they are offering you, dear listener, a 15% off discount on a fan club membership, which is just access to the website, but also a subscription to get the physical magazine in your hands. And this is something you'll, you'll want to keep, you want to put on your bookcase and your bookshelf, like old issues of grand Royal magazine and sort of these fantastic magazines that, you know, you just kind of go back to. I, I, I flip through this stuff all the time. Like granted, I keep a lot of stuff, but <laughs> certainly I'm going to keep in these and flipping through these things, uh, often. Uh, so yeah, once again, head over to cream with two E's of course.com and subscribe or check out their stuff. They also have digitized all the past issues and there's this incredible archive that you can dig through. And I think, I think in there is, um, my, my wife's uncle, Andrew Weiner's pieces that he wrote. Cause he used to be an editor in the UK for cream and wrote an 
unbelievable takedown of the Grateful Dead very early on, which isn't that vicious, but he got a lot of hate from Grateful Dead fans for that thing. And anyway, rest in peace, Andrew. And thank you to Cream for believing this podcast and, and supporting this thing, because as you'll hear in this end of the Sarah Burns interview, I run out of space for the interview to continue and it has to be cut short. And uh, because of Cream, I'll be able to make these upgrades on this computer because there's not not it's just it's a very small operation here at turned out a punk as you as you can tell it's not very professional in the best way possible hopefully but uh cream believed in it and i thank them for that and i believe in this magazine i believe you will very much enjoy it so head over to cream.com now and and check it out all right dear friends sit back relax and enjoy sarah burns on turned out a punk. Sarah, thank you so much for coming on the show. Oh, Damien, thank you for inviting me. I, I feel very lucky and like I'm on murderer's row with all the people you normally have. So um, I, it's very cool. Thank you. <laughs> well, I've actually been uh, doing a lot of press for like our new record um, in my band this week. And cool. people have been asking me about the podcast. And I've been talking about how excited I was to record this episode in every interview I've yeah. done. Because <laughs> um, this to me is is something very exciting because I'm a fan of you from a tons of different projects from Drunk oh. History to Every Barry and like, you know, a lot of different things. Uh, but when Duffy, our mutual friend, who is the guest booker for this episode. Yes, uh, Emmy, re- Emmy nominated. Duffy Boudreaux. Yes. That's yeah. right. Absolutely. That's how it's pronounced. <laughs> that's I got to give him his full name now. Yeah. <laughs> when he reached out and said, Sarah wants to come on the show and I don't want to spoil the story you want to tell. I'm sure we'll get there. Uh, I, I did a literal spit take. I spat out my Slurpee in excitement. So this is oh, a big cool. one. For me. Uh, but I got to start off the way they all start off, which is Sarah, how'd you get in a punk to remember the first time you ever came across it? I do. I, um, uh, my neighbor, Todd Feinstein, um, who I actually wasn't suppo- allowed to like play. I wasn't allowed to play with um, when I was a kid because we got into trouble. I think he was like rubbing suntan lotion on my back when I was young. And my dad came outside and was like, what the fuck? And so, and, um, but we were, were like a year apart and kind of into the same things. And I went to his house to meet his um, very exotic friend who was visiting from New Jersey. I, I grew up in Long Island and um, my best friend and I went over there and um, w- they played the circle jerks for us. And well, and also I, my friend and my friend and my neighbor Todd went into another room and I was alone with Lonnie and he put the moves on me. <laughs> um, he was like, what, what bands do you like? And I, I said, Oh, I, I like the cure. And he's like, well, have you ever, have you ever listened to let's go to bed, but I didn't even get it. Cause I was so young. I was like, maybe like 13 or something. And, um, but then it became like a listening party and, and Todd played the circle jerks. And I was like, what is this stuff? And then, then we went into town and bought a condom and then my mom found the condom and I got in trouble. But, uh, that was, that was, that was the intro. It's wild now being a parent of a 13 year old and realizing like, this is when shit gets real. Yes. And like, I didn't, I knew the condom thing. Like when I was, I knew that was sexual and weird, but we didn't do anything. We just like tied it. 
but just dipping a toe in that direction, it I'm terrified because that my that's a couple years off for me. But Jesus, I'm, I'm 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 knocking on that door with my eldest right now, and anytime I walk into his room and I catch him sneaking watching Minecraft YouTube videos, I'm just kind of a little bit of a sigh of relief because I'm like, because it's know. not. Could be weirder, could be way scarier at this point. So yeah, because yeah. I mean, what do you do then? Like how I'm my brain stopped maturing at my teenage or early 20s. So like I'm still like in my mind this cool guy. And then I have to discipline my daughter who showed me, like, oh, dad said if anyone talks to me, just give him a finger. And I was like, Oh, well, he's got a point, you know, like I, you know, <laughs> I'm not doing a great job, but <laughs> No, it's it's definitely like a weird thing to well, like, you know, I was thinking about this with drugs recently, because like some of my best experiences as a young person was doing drugs underage, you know. And I, I, I listened to the podcast you did with Margaret Cho and how she was like, I did so many drugs, so many, so many things are gone. Like they were great experiences, but I couldn't string together a paragraph to tell you what happened. But it was a good time. Mm-hmm. I know. And, but maybe it skips a generation. I don't know. It's different now. Drugs are, drugs are scarier. I just became an 85 year old woman for saying that line, but like. Oh yeah, definitely. Like face drugs, like, like, like any sort of powder type drug that you can't recognize its original form of is very scary in the present day. I'm sure even too, like tabs of acid, like what's on there. Just gobbling whatever was around was given to me as a child and going home. Yeah, that you're right. And I feel like you know, in the '90s, it was like acid was uh was like just part of the cultural experience in a way. But I do think I mean we're in a, like a glory day uh, period, glory days period for like softer drugs like mushrooms. Now in Toronto, there's a store that you can buy mushrooms. It's illegal, but you can buy them there. Oh, yeah. I love it. That's so awesome. Is it is it on the cusp of being legal? I think it's because it's so in the zeitgeist right now. Everyone's like microdosing. Everyone's everyone's getting pills sent to them like every month just because the anxiety. And mushrooms are great for anxiety. They're great for fun. They're great for blowing your face off. They're great in any dose, you know. But um, I love them. But they're not elite. They're not legal yet. But I don't feel like even scared talking about them like right now no it's it's the next thing to come you know it's the next brick to fall i think yeah and like the other thing that's wild is like dmt pens have you seen that like a preloaded thing yeah i i a friend of mine asked me if i wanted to try that he was cutting my hair (laughs) and i said you know no my my daughter's in the car my partner and he he was with our daughter in the car. I was like, no, I don't. He's like, this is so quick. You, you'll be fine. I was like, no, I just, I don't, I can't be that guy. You know, the guy who does DMT, getting a haircut and then goes out for tacos. You know, I just, with my kids. So I haven't tried them, but. No, we, the first time I got offered it, I was shooting a cannabis documentary in BC and this guy's like, you want to come out to my car and have a life-changing experience? You just kinda, great. Say yeah. no more. <laughs> yeah, like, I don't know if I really want to have the life changing experience in the back of your car smoking this pipe with you, sir. Like, I think I'm going to try and find a more appropriate place to have that. I feel there's like a serene garden somewhere that I could do this or even a bus bench, you know, but not your car, dude. Thanks so much. I, I will. 
I'll tell you off air afterwards my DMT story because uh, I will not bore everyone on air with it, but it is a a wild journey. Like I feel like the return, like you're saying with with magic mushrooms, like these things have been remedies for anxiety and depression and all sorts of things for centuries. And it's, it's kind of like we're returning to them as a, a species now. Yeah, seriously, as we're destroying the planet, we're actually relying more heavily upon it. And um, yeah, it's weird because it's not been made in a lab and it's not, it's, it's just that like, it just grew there for a reason, like, you know, evolution created the, you know, it's not, I guess you couldn't refer to the, yeah, evolution is not just for humans, right? Like, mm -hmm. so it, it grew there for a reason and they're quite fun. Well, there's this, like this whole kind of, you know, and this, this is where I come off like a radical cannabis YouTuber with the stuff I'm talking about. But I was talking to a friend of mine the other day and he was saying that his relatives, like older relatives in Greece, used to boil cannabis with milk to give to babies, to help the babies go to sleep. And in breast milk, there's cannabinoids. Like that's why they think we have cannabinoid receptors in our body is to take in the cannabinoids that, that come through breast milk as like babies. And wow. that, so, but there is sort of this weird, like maybe it is something we're supposed to be consuming. Like this is, it was the first plant we cultivated as, as a species. Like it was the first thing that we carried with us as, in terms of seeds. And that it migrated kind of up through continental africa into sort of like the present day middle east and sort of splits at egypt anyway there's not a weird oh, podcast yeah. i'm definitely really going in the wrong direction with this no thing. i'm sorry uh you know you can at any point you can just like throw a pan at me because i i'm the tangent like i'll go off seven days from now i'll be like wait we wait what were we but oh that's interesting i like that greece has got it going on yeah Greece was, uh, and it was super cheap when I was in Greece. I was very surprised. It was like the, uh, I'm like, wow, this is very affordable here. But it grew all over the place. It grew wild in Japan. There was a cannabis culture in Japan prior to the end of the Second World War where people, you know, grew and smoked it. And it was just. Wow, I've never heard any of this. I mean, I'm, I'm you know, I've never heard any of that. That's why is it so demonized then? Uh, Harry Ansing Slinger who uh -huh. was the first drug czar um, in America. He took over after Prohibition and uh, kind of just turned his attention to cannabis. And it was it was born out of racism. Like he said, I'm, and I'm paraphrasing the horrible quote here, but he said, cannabis makes white women want to sleep with black men. And that's one of the reasons they wanted to make it illegal. And then he became the first drug czar to the United Nations and just sort of spread this doctrine around the world. But... Yeah, there's cannabis cultures anywhere this anywhere that plant grew there was a culture for it you could say any it, it's seriously that's nuts you could say anything enough times and people will believe it and like that's what you're you know you see all over the united states right now just like say, say it a couple times and people are like yes that's right they are trying to take our they're trying to remove our nipple or whatever i don't you know like i'm just the first stupid thing i thought of but and if people are like going crazy for it, it's just someone said it like, I don't know, I was bored. I think the U.S. it kind of gets spoken about a lot more because obviously the media is is so much larger in the United States, but it's happened all over the world. Like that yeah. kind of same sort of idiocracy, I guess, is where we're like finally at. Like, so. yeah. isn't it also, I know this friend we're talking about, it's also scary too having a child. Like I feel yes. so selfish for having brought a child onto this hateful you know, like, I'm like, oh, great. I, um, 
I have to leave you on a planet where you're going to be like living on a sea of fire on like a raft, you know, yeah. like, sorry. Yeah. So all this hubris. I just kind of like keep hoping for, you know, maybe, maybe the matrix comes and they can live on in the matrix or something. Cause like, it is very, right. It feels very selfish at times to like, look at the world and be like, I brought a being into this thing. I wanted another version of myself because yeah. I'm so great. I know what's up guys. I got this. We're going to need another one of me. And I'm, I'm probably not going to leave you very much. A few broken like pint glasses and some like mismatched so, you know, like she's not getting, I feel terrible, but I, I kept saying for years, I was like, I just got to make it, got to really make it. I got to make Will Smith money. And I got, and then like, no, no changing um, I, that to somebody else. But On the new fucked up lyric uh, record, there's a lyric that I wrote that's like, here, take this plastic shit and fill that void I left because that's really what yeah. I'm leaving them with, like a bunch of records and a bunch of like toys and zines. Yeah. And, like, hey guys, you could, my parents always said, they're like, when I'm dead this is all yours. That's my dad. And like, thanks. I, it's like a lot of ducks carved ducks and like, uh, you know, so stressful. I've got enough shit. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm like this. You can burn this stuff for fuel when the apocalypse yeah, yeah. comes. You you're know? welcome. There you go. You're going to, you're going to all this petroleum based products yeah. for all the plastic is going to keep the neighbors away because of the stent, the acrid stench. There you go. So your dad loves you. He's, he's got your back. Well, back to a much more cheerful time when bands yeah. were just singing about the end of the world. Where'd you kind of go from the Circle Jerks? Um, I'm, try, um, I'm trying to think where. Like, had you gone to any concerts yet? Period. Like, not not punk concerts, obviously. But you mentioned being in the Cure, so were you like you were into music? I assume by this point. Yes, I I went. My first concert was to see uh, New Order and awesome. um, Public Image Limited. And together? the sugar cubes, what all together? Yeah, I, I saw them at Jones Beach Theater. Um, it was just an outdoor venue, and the stage is on a, like a giant raft, it's separated from the seats, so it's I maybe it's for security. But uh, the sugar cubes played, and nobody danced. And uh, they, they were like, If you don't dance, we won't dance. And so they sat on the stage, but nobody got up and danced because it was like daytime, and uh, that was my first concert, and then. I got, I was like super new. I, I got called new wave girl. Um, and, uh, like very into like new wave and goth and like hardcore Long Island, hardcore, Yes. <laughs> um, New York hardcore. And like seeing like there, there was like venues on Long Island to see hardcore and venues, you know, obviously in Manhattan to go. And, so is, um, it like, is it like Ludi Christ in, and, um, horror planet and those types of bands like uh yuppicide yes and, um and um uh, what I, i'm um, shit those mushrooms and all that wine um that's <laughs> why I, I actually had to jog my memory a couple times because i was like i'm gonna just be a babbling drooling moron in this podcast so um what the heck are they doing don't worry, I can I edit this stuff down. It'll come. Oh to, yeah, it'll, it'll come to you in a second. Yeah, yeah. Like, oh, she's so on top of her <laughs> shit. Otherwise, don't leave it in. Half of your audience will just walk into the sea and drown themselves with the sadness of this. But like, there was a ba uh, the band called Bug Out Society. Yes, 
Oh, um, they're fucking amazing. Absolutely. They, 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 if it's, they apparently would throw, was it them? They would throw white castles into the audience. And then like, I think a bunch of vegetarians threw veggie burgers at them or, or something. Or I, I actually met, I'm fairly certain I met the singer of Bug Out Society right before I was going off to college. I, I went to see, um, shit. I went to see, shit. <laughs> I was so citizen, I went to see Citizen Fish, um, who are English, I think, yep. um, at this really cool place called ABC No Rio on Rivington Street. And, um, that's sad. I didn't get to, I didn't get to see Citizen Fish because um, I was standing in the, I was, we were watching the band before them and some guy put his hand under my skirt and like ran it along like my butt cheek. Oh my God. And uh, I pushed him and I was like, what the fuck? And like, I pushed him onto some girl and then she was yelling at, like, she was mad at me. I was like, what, where's the sisterhood here? This guy just, you know, like gave me a, gynecological exam and and anyway so my my friend wanted to leave and so I I didn't want to stay behind like I'll be fine guys I already think I met someone I'm gonna hook up with later so I didn't get to see them but he was her like very good friend at the time and he he I think you know he wouldn't remember this I don't even know I don't even know if any of this is real but um pretty sure that was him wow like the, not the, the guy the guy who not the guy who put his hand on her skirt oh okay okay i'm sorry no <laughs> i'm sorry I, i'm a shitty storyteller you're no, like no. oh geez we gotta get rid of this one um <laughs> no he was it was the three of us and then they were off to the side and then somebody just yeah it, yeah. it, it it's sadly and i think you know i don't know i'm not as involved today but i think it's finally gotten better like i think hardcore and punk is much more the way it kind of always thought it looked and was now than it ever was before this. Yes. I remember being at, I, I, I think it was, I think I was at this show in on Long Island at this place. We used to go to this place called Carol's place. That was um, in Island park between Oceanside. I grew up in Rockville center. And then as you headed out towards long beach and the beach, pretty close to the beach, 30 minutes from New York city. Um, so we'd head towards the beach of this place called Carol's place. I just remember like, I felt so, you know, so cool. So cutting edge. I was part of this cool scene, but I kind of pulled back. I mean, I was probably smoking weed. So like I was, you know, having these philosophical moments, but uh, just how masculine and it, it was, and it really just kind of resembled the life my parents had, you know, like it, it didn't feel very punk or different. It felt very like similar. We were just listening to better music. Mm-hmm. Um, Go on, sorry. No, no, I I just like to dot my discussions with bizarre words that go nowhere. <laughs> I, I feel like it was, there is a sort of a conservatism to it, uh, conservativism to it, in especially in American hardcore at a certain period where uh yeah like it just it 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 becomes a lot more political later on like it seems like it's certainly in the late 80s and into the early 90s it um 
there were political bands, but as much at the same time there were political bands, there was a lot of not very political stuff happening too. Yeah, like I, it's weird. I didn't think about this until recently. Somebody said something about oh the '90s bros, and I was like, what? I thought I feel really shaped by growing up in the '90s, even to my detriment. I, I'm very proud of. Somebody said something like, you're such a 90s girl. So I'm very proud of it. I, I, you know, I love the opening of Portlandia. The dream of the 90s is like, I, I was like, yeah, uh-huh, that, check, check, check. All of it speaks to me. But um, but it, it is to my detriment, I think, sometimes just because of the, the career I've chosen, uh, it doesn't align. But um, I didn't think of it as the, it was like, you know, one, we were making strides towards something revolutionary and cool or punk and anti-establishment. Yes, but a lot was still being like left behind and, or, 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 or rather not being left behind, but a lot was still not changing and not very revolutionary. I didn't yeah, think like, of that. I yeah, just looked like back I, and it was perfect time. Sorry. No, no, please go. I didn't mean to keep cutting you off there. I get, I get excited and start piping in. That's my, I'm like, Hey, I gotta get in there. I let me, I gotta say something. <laughs> I was going to talk until somebody puts me to sleep. And then I, yeah. <laughs> I, I feel like, um, that time period, you're right. There was like this sort of, uh, bro kind of culture, like as much as they're like bikini kill and riot girls happening, the reaction to it, even in punk and hardcore was like very dismissive at the time. Like, and it was acceptable to be completely misogynistic towards it. I, well, I was in, um, I was in a Best Buy looking at refrigerators because I'm a fucking crazy person. Um, but we, uh, I went in to look at appliances, um, as I do every Tuesday. Uh, but no, uh, uh, my partner and I went in to look at a refrigerator. <laughs> How many times I have to say that? You get it. But I had, I was wearing a bikini kill shirt and I could see this guy, he, it's weird when you're younger and you see the local similar punk or similar, you're like, I can't talk to them. But he, he spotted us for whatever reason. I look like a mommy who's going to a Girl Scouts meeting, which I am doing later today. But um, he saw the shirt and I could see he was like fired up and needed to engage. And within a few minutes, he was telling me how like, Kathleen Hanna was full of it. And she, you know, she, whether or not this is true or not, she dated Kurt Cobain. I mean, and he was like shitting all over her, how she wasn't feminist enough. And I'm like, I'm just trying to decide whether we're going to get the doors that open this way or, and and he wasn't one of those people I wanted to take to town because he was fired up. And who's fired up in a Best Buy? It's depressing. A, a Best Buy. But um, it was just like so hateful. And he couldn't wait to share this info about her, who she dated and wh- how that reflected upon her level of, you know, uh, it. It's insane how threatening they were to people. Yeah. They still are to people. Like, it's like, like, well, I guess that, that's true punk, right? When you can threaten people just by your very existence. You don't need to be offensive just by wanting and and speaking about your experiences and mm-hmm. and what you want to see in the world it to this day it still gets people riled up and, yeah. and what's he buying in best buy that's anarchist producing farm to table that he's in any position to call anybody a sellout he was looking at the same refrigerator we were looking at <laughs> but you know and, and like 
I was weird because he was, I think he was with his, his keeper or his spouse. She was like, all right, come on. Let, yeah, let's go. She spoke to him. Like the lack of respect showed that they're clearly married, but she, and she just, it was so, it was so weird. He wasn't like, you know, there were, I, I, who the fuck is he to tell? And why come up to me and talk to me about it? I'm not, I'm wearing a bikini kill shirt because they're fucking rat. You know, like yeah. the first time I played them for my my daughter, my stepdaughter, I burst into tears because <laughs> I was like, oh, my God, you're exposed. Just started to happen. But, you know, just the thought of these little girls hearing this and connecting. It's so cool. And it's still it still resonates. You know, like they're a band that you can see you know like a whole new generation of kids discovering on this reunion thing and it's still obviously if a dude's coming up to harass you about wearing their t-shirt in best buy what they're saying still needs to be said uh-huh. it's still valid he's not getting it yeah like yeah i, I just think it, it's so, so cool yeah well, and so like the shows that you're going to at that time they must have been pretty hairy right like were they violent some of these shows yes i remember going to see um, I remember going to see Upside on Avenue A at the Pyramid, which is, I think, very recently shut down. A legendary, legendary spot for some hairy, hairy shows. Yes. Uh, I remember watching a kid stage dive. The pit cleared and he was carried out. Um, I got hit on the head once at a show at the Continental. Oh, uh, I went to see Bad Trip. And there's actually, I doubt it exists anymore, but there was video, someone was taping that show and there was video on MTV, my very first television appearance. I I was off to the side doing, you know, my really cool, cool dance. um, My self-conscious, keep it, keep it low dance. Um, But I got hit on the head at that show. And I, I could feel almost if I've described it as like, it was almost like hitting a television and having it go like at that show. But I, I had no fear. I didn't like, I didn't, I wasn't nervous. Now, the last time I was at a show that I saw, maybe not the last time, the last time I went to see a show where there was a pit, it was a Flogging Molly show, like. 10 10 years ago or something and i was up in like the mezzanine like my god what are these people doing like i couldn't even imagine taking it i used to push forward and like i'd always get stuck behind the guy with the very long hair wearing leather jacket and his hair was like all over me but um but oh yeah no go on sorry to me no i i don't know where i was going with that it's coming out but it's coming in bits and pieces well this is amazing like the stuff you're talking about is i I love that period of new york hardcore like it's it's such a transitional period like the movement from sort of the cbgb's matinee era to the abc no rio era and you you, do you go any of those matinees at cbs yeah i i i went who did i go see I went to CBGB's a bunch of times. I, I, I was, I remember going in there and not being able to afford it, but they had a pizza parlor in CBGB's and, and the toilet was. Disgusting. Fucking crazy. I, I, but so cool. But, but, you know, now I feel so privileged. I remember being totally outraged when they sold 
they, they John, uh, I'm not saying his name right, John Varvatos. Varvatos, yeah. I remember being like, how dare they? But I think actually that's so New York. It, it's it's like um it's like a beach, you know, like the sand. It changes so quickly, and and I, I'm not I'm not I'm not I don't feel proprietary anymore over it. But I feel very privileged. I feel fucking cool. I feel like I, I I should have like a lapel pin to have gotten there. I saw the cramps there. I um I saw I used to save things like flyers and stuff. I wish I'd saved them. I that stuff now too has like monetary value too, because like no one did save that stuff. Like it is so and it, and it documents a thing that like you're saying that bad trip stuff where you get knocked on the head, that's probably still out there because people cling to those relics in punk because it was just like, it's such an underdocumented culture and the stuff you're talking about, like, it, you know, I've, I've got fanzines about it. I've got all these records for all the bands you're talking about. And, but just to like, it, it is such a storied time and, and it's such a cool time because it's kids making their own culture, you know, like with no permission, but still like starting their own thing. There's a bar in LA I, I went to recently and I worked on this. Oh, that film I mentioned that I, oh, I had to get through. And then once it was over. Yes. Uh, <laughs> show. Uh, whoa. <laughs> I'm getting a chill thinking about it. Um, so you don't want to promote it at the end of the podcast. Oh, <laughs> fuck it. I hope it. Oh my God. It, it, I, it was the it's the worst experience I've ever had. I mean, wow. it, you know, it was it was a terrible, it, it's a it was a terrible experience. It was a just creatively and like even just practically, it was it was a terrible like to the point where the last day, the the casting crew we were just like just in hysterics about like you know we got to hold uh, lines because the donkey is bringing next door. just like anything that could go wrong was going wrong you know just, i got heat stroke and went home vomiting like it's just like <laughs> just a party you know just a good old time um i won't be promoting that one no. I, oh I, I have something cool to tell you but um i have no idea how i got to this part of what i'm saying i don't recall how i ended up We're talking about you went to a cool bar Oh, I went on a scout with them one day and there is a bar in, um, I have to look it up and I could send you the name, but there's a bar in LA and they have all these flyers from, from New York, from hardcore shows and punk shows, like just paste it all over the walls. They have, um, cost, do, do you know, cost and revs at all those but graffiti? Yeah. yeah but re, the re, and the revs put out a record too, right? What? Yeah. There's a revs record. Do you want to hold, oh, for, do you hold for one second? I'm going to grab it. One sec. Okay. I'm going to show you something. I'm going to. Holy moly. When was that? When did that come out? This came out back in 89, 88. No, maybe it's 91. I'm trying to remember the dates, but it comes up with a bunch of paste ups from them too. In the back. Yeah. Can I show you something? I, yeah, uh, I'm, I, I have. Whoa, that's that, that is awesome. There was a that was a Christmas gift for my mom and dad. Actually, um, they were like, "What? What do you want?" You know that we don't like we give gifts that you can drink or eat. But yeah. um, uh, he was he was selling. 
posters, prints, and somehow I found out about, um, um, oh, that's so cool. I, cost and Rebs were my introduction to the world of graffiti. I, that's where I started to notice and now, you know, like what they were doing and now, you know, it's a whole other world, but. And they were connected to punk and hardcore, right? Cause that Rebs record is kind of like a punk hardcore record. Yeah, I, I had. Yes, and and they. What is the mythology behind them that they were wherever revs went up, cost went. And they were kind of, but I think that. And then they can then they started collaborating on pieces. Together yeah, at a certain there, point, there's still a giant cost revs piece um, over on the west side in Manhattan. Uh, hopefully, on the High Line. Yeah, I think it's become. I think very recently too, because I, I was able to score this record for relatively cheap a few years ago, but I think in the more recent times, it's become incredibly regarded as like sort of this cultural significant art movement between these two people. And there, I think there's a movement to try and preserve stuff. And I know oh, yeah, all these things go for a ton of money now. I, they should. Oh, that, cause it's, it was a conversation between two artists that we got to watch. It was like a pissing contest. <laughs> and then it becomes like, like, what's that movie? Ah, the movie about the, the guy and the wolf where he pisses around his thing. Sorry, I don't never you. He pees around his campsite and then the wolf pees around it. It's like at white fang or something. Anyway, it was, it was, it's, it was really neat to watch it. And it was super cool. And I gotta see know, that. It, 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 it's, well, oh, I mean, cost and revs. Pissing okay. on. The movie, I mean, my thing, you know, it's whatever. If you've got a couple hours to yourself, but um, I think it was like um, um, Ron Howard's brother is the star. Oh yeah, yeah, so like, it, yeah. I I find like the thing about like the um, like you're saying, like the 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 natural inspiration that people had, and it wasn't driven by monetary gains. Like when people were doing this stuff, it's like. I'm doing it because I love it and I'm doing it because I'm inspired to do it. Yeah. Isn't that weird too, when you've turned your hobby into your career and now you're, or your passion into your career and you have to monetize your career and you're like, wait a second, that feels, that, that's one of the things that I was like, I have, I struggle with in the business that I work in, uh, pharmaceuticals oh but no um but just you know in the world of hollywood where my brain formed um in the 90s you know at these shows when i you know where, where everyone was like fighting every, oh you know fighting everything and, and now i'm in this world where people are arguing with their interior designers about the crown moldings and i'm living in a shitty rental so well, and i don't mean to like you know i don't know i've obviously visited but i don't know what it's like to live there but i would imagine it's like the the completely the antithesis of being a hardcore kid where your entire thing is like dispelling all this bullshit and really that it's all edifice and all these people are just trying to are just buying in to this sort of bs dream type thing and it's it's interesting to talk to people in Hollywood that do have a punk hardcore background because I t find that they tend to be grounded in a different way where they kind of know that this is all edifice and you're trapped in a world that is all about edifice. Yeah, it's, it's weird too. I always feel like I don't belong, that I'm the dirtiest one in the room. Truly, like, like I feel like, whoa, she's let it go real far. You know, like how how that happened? There's got to be a skin condition coming our way. But I I do feel like, the imposter syndrome, um, but not like 
the imposter syndrome that I don't deserve to be there because I don't have the talent, which of course I do. But just like, does anyone know that I'm the weirdo here? I just don't feel like such a weirdo. I feel like it's so obvious that like the same people who'd be like, get out of here, freak as a kid is still here mm-hmm. when I'm going into a room of people who are successful and to convince them they should hire me. Although that doesn't happen currently because of COVID, if you've heard of it. But um, I have, I have, yeah. I, but you know, if you survived a pit at the Pyramid Club, you can survive any Hollywood. <laughs> yes, I guess I can. I, I should lead with that. Yeah. Hi, I'm Sarah. I'm here to read for the role of Maria, but you're a bunch of fucking assholes. Yeah, just go with I just I I just had a, a flash. It wasn't a hardcore show. It was a punk show, but of seeing Guar as I was ex- talking about it. And, um, and like, how do you reconcile being the guar person and then hi i'm here for the role of maria uh or whatever you know well guar was in empire records uh so they have a hollywood okay. connection, i guess right <laughs> yeah that's right they've got uh they were the ethan emery they did a they have a scene they're probably in sag yeah i'm sure well <laughs> um I, I used to go see them at the ritz in manhattan and the very first time I went to see that, uh, to see Guar, there was some, I don't, there was like a parking structure next to the Ritz or something. And there was, um, there were, there was more than one kid dressed as a nun, but one of the kids who was dressed as a nun was sitting a couple levels up and the kids were just like throwing shit down onto the ground. And then I'd of course go into the pit. Cause you know, I'm tiny, small waif. I can probably take it on. And, uh, get smashed and covered in blood and i would uh, my theory my my one thing was i had a boundary and i would when they sprayed semen into the crowd i would duck because i was like i'm not getting sprayed in odor of this <laughs> semen but i will take the blood but um <laughs> my my wife's best friend uh broke her acl in a guar pit a couple years ago she's not of age to be still marching for guar but she she loved it you know she's a fan so she went up front and slipped on that I think it was the blood. Might have been the semen and oh, broke her gotcha. Um, was uh Dave? Was he still alive, or was it was post Dave Brocky? But they have now put out a sex toy modeled on Odorous's. Wait, I heard thing. about that. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> Christmas is coming, guys! Yeah. Everybody get ready. Oh, it's already passed. I just haven't. I met him one time, but he was in character the whole time. So I feel like I never really got to meet Dave. I just met Odorous. I met Dave once and he wasn't in character. My friend called and was like, Dave is down. Uh, he's at the bar down the street. You got, and I was in bed and I was like living in San Francisco at the time. So I quickly like whoop, put some clothes on and casually showed up at this bar and I chatted with him, but he wasn't, he wasn't odor. He was a guy mm-hmm. and he was like wearing stonewash and like, you know, he, he was, you know, nice enough, but I wanted, you know, yeah, I wanted to be punched, not punched in the face, but like, you know, I wanted to see, but it's, it was whatever. It yeah, was worth it, getting out of bed though. Cause. Yeah, well, exactly. You got to meet him, but I think it's one of those things where it's like, uh, it, it, it's, it's such a, it's such an imposing character to have to carry around with you. Like, and they, he lived that too. Like they were like the hardest working band ever. Their, their guitar player passed away and they played a show that night holy cow yeah they dropped off the body with the police and did a border crossing and made it to winnipeg and played the show animals that's wild yeah wow that yeah and they never like they they didn't 
I achieved, but everyone knows the word. Everyone has like, oh, guar. even if you don't, you're not familiar with their music. Music was so funny, <laughs> you know, like, mm-hmm. and like, you know, just the way they would kill an, a, a Nazi skinhead on stage, you know, like so cool. Who fucking doesn't want to do that? You know, like, <laughs> um, did you ever see breakdown or youth of today or any of those bands? I think I saw youth of t- cause they, I think I would have seen youth of today because of, I'm really at a loss for, it sounds like bullshit, right? I'm like, Oh, no, no. big hardcore fan. No, all the bands don't want to talk about, but um, I'm trying to remember breakdown. I, there was this, my boyfriend for a while, I, I think what was a long on hardcore guy. And I'm trying to remember the name of his band. Shit. Um, you know what? Can we do ADR for this episode? I'll just record things. I'll be <laughs> yeah, like, send them in. <laughs> today. Yeah. We could also do when you want to do that. We can add, do it an addendum on the end yeah. of the episode when you're like, "Yo, now it's all come back to me." On this yeah, one. yeah, but, yeah. Okay, we may have to. Do, we need nine months to plan. But um, what it's funny because I wanted to ask you actually if you knew him because when when Michael Ian Black was on the show, he kind of was in the same position of trying to remember these shows, but he would have been going the exact same time period that you're going to shows in New York too. Definitely. I, I worked with him in Wet Hot American Summer. Yeah. Um, I like him so much. He's so smart. He's he, And it's like when he was on the show, I had no idea that he was a New York hardcore kid. Like I knew he was in a punk because he had referenced the Dead Kennedy stuff, but like I guess he's New Jersey. But he was like, yeah, I went to CBGB's. I saw Youth of the Day, I think. They might, I might have yeah. seen them. So, Isn't that crazy? I think I saw um, He probably would. I, I'm sure. But it's he's, a, he's older than I. Oh, I don't mean to throw him under the bus. But like, yeah, I, I mean, he, he would I think he dropped out or stopped going. I managed to drop it. He stopped going to sh- hardcore shows like 87, he said. So that would have been just before, I guess, your time. Yeah, probably. Drea DiMatteo probably was at some of those CBGB shows with you. Oh, my goodness. That's She's a hard one. I'm still not over her getting killed on this prank. Like, I still don't want to discuss it. No. It's, it was, I was so let down. By no, when she was on the show, though, she's a New York hardcore kid. She was oh, like my a, God. She was at CB shows and going to hardcore shows and said she, like, hated seeing all these skinheads fight each other. She just wished <laughs> they would come back so she could smell their armpits. Yeah. <laughs> she gets even cooler (laughs) one time i went to see this i went to see the band the selector in in some show somewhere near the where the limelight but not it was right where the limelight was but not not there and i can't i can't place it but i can see and the uh, skinheads were there and they were fighting and being idiots and the singer of the selector was like stop we will not fucking play anymore if you don't stop fucking around. And like they were chastened. So it's like even more pathetic because like, oh, you guys, one, you know, one little scolding and everyone's quiet. But like, yeah, the, are, are they like, where do they go now? I don't want to know. But like the, the, the selector. No, the Nazi skinheads. Oh, the like, Nazi skinheads. I don't know. I don't. Well, it's changed so much, right? Like, I don't think it necessarily is exclusively a punk problem sadly anymore like i think they listen to all types of music like my friend the other day was telling me about nazi rap music yeah and the sort of uh yeah it's it's very very distressing that this stuff just doesn't go away it just you know it just fine. changes us like a changeling yeah. Yeah. it's a watered down different for it's weird it's like well that's what was so strange about like 
you know, you're in a scene or you're at a show and there's a person there. My girl, my, one of my best girlfriends, she was looked like a little Chelsea girl. She had like a little shaved head. She had the look very cute. She was gorgeous too. So like everyone had a crush on her, but, um, but so you two steps, two removed steps from her, someone wearing similar clothes isn't a Nazi, you know, like where you're like, Oh, how is this? Well, like when I said earlier about stepping outside and thinking for a second, I'm at this cool hardcore show. Right. But it's really just a, just like one step over from exactly the rest of the world. We're just listening to better music or I thought, you know, but. Well, it's fascinating. My friend, uh, actually Chris Estrada, the comedian sent me uh, a video, a documentary on Malaysian skinheads. And it's the exact same dichotomy of skinheads there where there's uh, anti-fascist skinheads, sharps, there's Nazi skinheads, and then there are fence sitters. And it's it's like the conversation could be ripped from any period that skinheads have kind of existed in the modern era in any city in any anywhere in the world. But here it is happening in Malaysia in the exact same sort of way where the, the Nazi skinheads are anti-immigrant and the sharp skinheads are fighting the Nazi skinheads saying, how can we have these people around? And the fence sitter skinheads are being like, well, I don't see a problem. We're all skinheads. And it's just so I'll send you the documentary. It's, it's, it's a really short, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. It's really interesting to see that it's still sadly part of the culture that this is a, I don't know, there's two types of skinheads and there's always, well, I guess there's three, but there's ultimately two types of skinheads. Yeah. The people on the fence are just maybe playing yeah, both sides. So yeah, they're, they're, they're ultimately Nazis at the end of the day. Yeah. Like, at the end of the day, yeah. even if you're a light Nazi, you still, you still are. Yeah. You're just, you're a Nazi. There were Nazi skinheads. Uh, um, when I moved to Greenpoint, Brooklyn, there, well, I don't know. Okay. I don't know if they were not, they were skinheads. So I don't know if they were, I didn't stop to ask, but I just remember being so confused. Like, but then again, the question you asked you, what year is this? Are we still doing this? It's such a, it's such an ignorant question, you know, like, like a, a, a lazy question to ask yourself. Like when someone tells you, you know, like, uh, I, I'm I, I'm black and I, I I'm fearful when somebody pulls my family over in a car and you're, if, if my response is I mean what year is this is this still happening and that that saying that is the stupid question because it it happens all the time everywhere always like mm-hmm. I can't say oh wow there's still skinheads what year is this because it's just this horrible cycle of it's interesting too because it's it's a culture that still exists strongly on both sides of the divide like just as much as there's still nazi skinheads there's also still anti-fascist skin it's 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 interesting how these punk subcultures have become like codified and just societal things that exist you know all over the world there's japanese skinheads and once again there's weird political divides there too as i said malaysian skinheads and certainly british skinheads and american skinheads and it's 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 such a you know once again like you're saying this causes real pain and real hurt for people so i don't want to pretend like it's fascinating but it is it's interesting how this is something that spread all over the world not through mass media either just kind of through punk yeah channels yeah, well, like as people who are, yeah, I felt disenfranchised, you know, I was like, I didn't feel, I was fine. I was okay. I was just like, a, you know, I felt slightly different when I discovered the violent femmes. I was like, oh, I'm, 
And this was like prior to skin, you know, I was like, obviously I'm different. Obviously I'm eccentric. And I, that then like the cure, then the circle jerks was the, the offshoot of that. And then what, anything different. So I felt very different, but I wasn't, I didn't have a like hateful spirit in me that I would then link up with <laughs> like skin, you know, the, oh my God, that would have, my parents would have been destroyed. Like if I just, the horrible, I just such a shame. But so people looking for disenfranchised, lost people glomming on to something and then just igniting whatever hate they already had dormant inside them. What about Warzone and band, like Cro-Mags, Warzone, Murphy's Law? Did you ever see those bands? Uh, I never saw Murphy's Law. I, I never saw the Cro-Mags, but I think the Cro-Mags were from right where I grew up. Oh, yeah, I think some of them are. It's a band that's got a few member changes at different points and I, I i feel like there was a story circling in my town that Cro-Mags like pulled up to the 7-eleven and they got out of a limo like that was the story you know i was like oh man and so like in my mind i could like see but um i don't know if i, I like what about warzone you i don't know if i ever saw warzone but i feel like if I didn't, my girl, my girlfriends would have done it. Or I always felt like an odd man out too at the hardcore shows because I looked like a little goth, and I was always very like, I was a very chipper, expressive goth. I'm not the goth of like, um, but oh yeah, and I was, I was so into like goth music. It, um, it was almost like I took a large wedge of the of the pie from punk to goth to new wave like um i think it's all connected right like the cure started as a punk band and you know the violent femmes certainly started as a punk band um you know there's like this sort of that's the thing i think that was so great about this thing is that when it first happened before it got codified as being one thing or the other it was just like permission for kids to do whatever the hell they wanted yeah like if i i just didn't i knew there was i felt very different i always felt very like a, a strain my i you know, so this was a great place, even though I still felt different. And I also still felt like I didn't belong. I never knew the names of any band members. I could never remember the names of, I was, you know, demented then. I'm still, I don't even know what, I don't know what day it is. But um, so I, I have so much trouble remembering anything all the time, always. But it, it still was such a nice place. It, it, it's like, it, kind of fills you up because then you're going to go to school on Monday and someone's going to call you, you know, a freak or whatever. And, but you don't care because you've got these friends from somewhere else or some story or. Well, and that's like uh, what I was trying to awkwardly say earlier about the Hollywood thing is that like, I feel like it's just an escape hatch from society in general. Like you just, you don't, you stop caring who the cool kids are at your school because you're like, well, they're all dorks. Like none of yeah. them, would, none of them can mosh at the continental. I, yeah. I felt, I felt super like, what is the word? Like I, I felt pa empowered by that because I had a world outside. I wasn't curious anymore what was going on with like whoever. And, and I wasn't really, I was picked on at school, but in, you know, in the ninth grade, probably the worst. Um, but by so every angle, it came from like every angle. It came from like 
the the established like cool kids there's like where i just walking down the hallway and someone's like freak or just giving me and i would but i loved it because i was like if you consider me a freak then i'm doing something right and i used to get called snow white because black hair red lipstick and i was like awesome then our or i'd get called people would drive by singing the adams family and i'd be like yeah i felt i felt empowered by that and um and then i felt smarter than everyone because when my hair was blue people would call me smurf bed i'm like chick had blonde hair but <laughs> cool so you know i that, I that but you know it was difficult yeah because then you know they're anyway but but so going to this yeah it's like i got my people i can get through the school day it's interesting now when you look at the world and you've got the number one show on netflix has <laughs> the Adams family dancing to the cramps. Yes, I know. Well, it's funny. I've heard so much about, I couldn't wait for the scene. I thought she was dancing to Susie. So I was all excited. And then I was like, this is the cramps, but, and that's funny too. Cause then there's the proprietary feeling where like, okay, okay. okay. I got yelled at and, and now everyone's goth for five days, but it is very enjoyable. There's nothing cuter to me than looking at a baby punk rocker or a baby goth. I, I'm, I like want to hug them all. So they're so cute. Uh, you can't touch other people's kids, so I don't do it. But like, it's super cute. It definitely is adorable. And yes, yeah, sadly frowned upon to, to hug. Yeah, you can't. <laughs> no, you obviously just can't embrace other people's kids without warning. <laughs> society's changed. You know, they put up all yeah. these rules for us now. But back in my day, I was hugged nonstop by elders that I didn't know. But uh, this sounds very sketchy. But when I was a kid, Bill Cosby hugged my uh, like, like gave my cheeks a squeeze. Oh, my God. Did you go see him? No, my I, I used to go occasion with my grandparents down to florida and i was uh apparently a baby and my grandmother saw him in a mall and ran into him with my stroller just so i can i guess oh, I, him as a baby now that i remember that you're like i needed this thank you well it's weird yeah i i watched his stand-up so much growing up and yeah definitely i watched that cosby documentary show and that was like well that was if it wasn't done before it's definitely done now yeah yeah it's really it sucks like our dad he's like our dad from the Cosby show and then like but I think that's the sad lesson and also you see it in punk rock too right like all these heroes that you had growing up that end up letting you down and it's just sort of this need we have to build these people up and of course they're going to fail you like not as horribly as Bill Cosby hopefully but like they're gonna they're gonna have to let you down at a certain point because they're human and they're they have failings it's it feels like as we've moved further and further from religion we've need, felt the need to kind of build these people into gods on earth yeah that's really that's really smart yeah that's because we're not like you know i i was raised catholic and and after i moved out of my i was always surprised when my friends would go continue going yeah to church. without like your mom's not making you go and i i figured out i get out of going to church so young the trick was you sleep late on christmas oh. to this day i, I to this day, my mom is like, you were the funniest kid. You always slept in on Christmas. Everyone was up and done by 6 a.m. I was like, because I knew the last mass or the last was one. So I would sleep till like 11. And then, uh, and that was really the only day they forced us to go. So, um, but I, anyway, so yeah, I'm not religious. So I, yeah, I guess I'm, I'm mangling what you just said. No, no, no. It, I, but I like, it's, 
I don't know. It's interesting how we still do it in in music too, and we still do it, and then we we're always shocked when we're let down by these people. It's it, it's like we're you know, and you're you just know you're going to be let down by yeah. these people eventually because they you know eventually have to in some weird way. Not not once again, not as badly as Bill Cosby. I mean, yeah, that yeah. There's some yeah. You find out the person's just a regular piece of shit. Yeah, just some. I don't, I had a super moralistic stepfather, you know, he was like this crazy right wing, you know, like it was when Bill Clinton uh, and the Monica Lewinsky thing was going down. He's like, they should just lock him up for lying to people about that stuff. Anyway, he had a secret family <laughs> the whole time. Oh my God. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, it's okay. It was, oh, like yeah. the, it was like the pilot's wife. He, he was a pilot and had a secret family and they would go visit. And it was, uh, yeah, like these, but like once again, like you know, it's always the moralists that are. Yeah. Oh, because if you take a hard stance, no one's gonna look at you. Yeah. You know, like you're like, uh, no, that's not how we do it here. I got. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for your mom. I mean, that's. Jeez, how yeah. do you find the time? I. Yeah, that's the thing. I'm like, I'm like, uh, like now with kids, I'm like, where would you find the? Yeah, I like, can't even go to the bathroom by myself. Like, yeah. how would I? Who wants all that shit? I'm ve- I can't do track. I, I'm a very bad criminal. Like I, I, you know, just the idea of like, and my daughter's the same. She'll come up to me. She'll be like, "Daddy said I could. I'm gonna have an M&M now." And she like tells. She confesses. I'm like, all right. Um, I, I just it's so and it's whenever I've like eaten mushrooms, my partner's always like, "Just don't say anything. Just say nothing." I'm like, absolutely. Okay. Oh, hey guys, we've just eaten some mushrooms. <laughs> like, why? Why do you have to tell everybody everything? So, yeah. Well, oh, yeah. it's a safe defense mechanism when you tell people in advance of something, you know, like it's like you're, you're, you're presetting the stage. Like, don't worry if I act weird, I'm on mushrooms. So you've. Yes. Or, or anything you're self-conscious about. Yeah. I yeah. want everyone to know. I know I've gained weight. I know. Hey, I know. Like I, I have to lay the groundwork so that they know I know that something's off. Don't worry, I've got it. Let me make some jokes about it so everyone's relaxed, but then everyone gets uncomfortable. You know, like. But I think that's a way of disempowering it too, right? Like, and I'm sure that's why so many comedians on, you know, once again, never done comedy. So correct me if I'm wrong on this, but like when people do decide to do stand up, you go to the things that you were made fun of to disempower them. Like, that's why when I started playing shows, and eventually I started taking my shirt off. It's because I was always called fat. So when I'm like, yeah, I'm fat. I'm going to, what are you possibly going to say to me? Now you have to see it. Yeah. I, I love, I, I think that's awesome. Like I, it's mine. It's not yours. It's mine. I'm going to be, I own it now. Like you can't, that's much more powerful mm-hmm. than taking a beating for something. Well, I have to ask you then about the most liberated artist ever on stage who Margaret Cho uh famously called on this show one of the greatest artists of the 20th century yes. <laughs> uh you saw one of the most storied concerts ever which is the last gg allen show at the gas station yes i did it, um june 1993 i went to see jesus christ allen um and uh <laughs> it, it, this show this seeing having seen this sh- isn't that crazy that that yeah. is his name um yeah. it, this this show like or the story of the show precedes me in many things. So someone would be like, oh, that's the girl that saw the Gigi Allen show. Like that's that's how I I was introduced to people 
year, like within the year. Um, I are you the girl that saw the Gigi Allen show? Like that, it was my claim to fame. And I'm I can't like the circumstances of the day, the show, the insanity of it all, the timing. It's and, it's a go on. Sorry, I, I mean no, 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 no. I'm, I'm not going to interrupt you once you start, but like you know, you think about how many people were at Woodstock and made that their identity, or how many people were at Woodstock three and in Woodstock ninety nine and made that their identity that they survived that. There were a, a, a fraction of a fraction at the last Gigi Allen show, <laughs> and the fact that you survived that, you 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 definitely you can lay your hat on that for the rest of your life. I feel I feel I do feel my one of my friends uh, my my wedding gift was a Gigi Allen T shirt. Uh, I, I'm since divorced, but uh, like, and I it was one of the most thoughtful and direct gifts. It was just picture the this like the picture of Gigi passed out in the gutter when he saw his long hair and uh you know I was it was white so I wore it on my even on my wedding night but uh, um you know just it was so sweet and so thoughtful because that's that was part it's so part of my personality I'm so I'm so astonished too I would never I could never imagine honestly I could never imagine doing that now just because of all the effluvia that comes with seeing a Gigi Allen show <laughs> and the post like COVID work. He was, yeah, he was a baby too when he, he died that day, you know, the next day, he was 36 yeah. years old. Yeah. Yeah. He, so did you know what was to come when you went to the show? Like, had you heard of what this guy was? Yes. I, I, I went in ignorant of, some of some things I went in ignorant of my ability to because I my my I'd heard about Gigi Allen when I was like in the 10th grade um my boyfriend Jared at the time was into Gigi Allen just the insanity of Gigi Allen you know that you know the kids who were always like the crazier the better they knew everything about all the serial killers and like the craziest punk rockers and these guys were like that and uh he introduced me to Gigi Allen and it's just, I, you know, I didn't, his music that was not, you know, Tim, but it's like, cause he was so punk. So he's like on your race, you gotta be part of it. And just knowing Gigi Allen and hearing about Gigi Allen stories and he knowing that he was going to do this show. And um, I went because I would, I thought that I was going to call him out because I thought, you know what, dude, you, <laughs> this is oh, just, I've got to show you a picture of me too, but like, just so you can get an idea of this is this child's going to go, he's full of shit. This guy says he's going to kill himself every year on uh, Halloween, but he's conveniently in jail every year. So I'm going to go call him out. I'm going to go tell this asshole. This is, this is my mindset. I'm going to go tell his asshole. He's full of it. Um, I'm really thankful I did not attempt to do that but because a couple weeks after he died todd phillips's documentary hated came out and i got to see what truly did happen to the people who spoke out against him and like i i, I was a tiny little baby but um my my best friend and boyfriend at the time matt and i went in with our friend squeaker who had a car he drove us in from uh long island to see the Gigi show we were all like so fucking like so pub you know just like 
I don't know, in my mind, the three of us were in the front seat, you know, just like, we'll go, just the excitement. But we were super Long Island kids. And you know, like when you're so young and you don't like know anything about anything and you just do everything wrong. So like somehow you end up, there are no wheels on your car by the end of the day. And like everyone's shirts are, we just, we drove all the way to the opposite side of Manhattan um, and got stuck in pride, the pride track, it's June in New York city, the pride parade has all of um, fifth Avenue shut down. Somehow we sail past fifth Avenue gets trapped in like this, this like gridlock. We're behind this double decker tour bus. There's this old tourist, like directing traffic. So we're all just in this, like, and, and we finally get out of it and like run out of gas. And we walk all the way over to the East side, get gas, walk all the way back. And fill the car with gas and finally get to the show. And it's, we're late and um, the show has not started. And so like the gas station, it was like a former gas station. Yeah. Yeah. Um, gas station. So the, the inside is super small and the, it's like, it was like a fenced area and we, everyone just was sitting outside waiting like for their dad to show up. We're just sitting in the sun, just waiting like sit, I was like sitting on a cur- like whatever was available to sit on, and um, I don't know how long. Maybe like an hour was there. We like eventually this kid that was sitting next to us, who had like the double fin mohawk thing. Yeah. You know, he was like, you know, of course like we felt like he's much more uh entitled to be here so we're just quietly like mm-hmm. um he's like have you guys ever seen Gigi and we're like no no he's like get ready and it's just like uh and actually my guys I've mentioned so many boyfriends in this me my ex-boyfriend at the time uh Jared who originally introduced me to him was there and so I chatted with him and uh everyone was just waiting 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 and then the murder junkies started <laughs> so exciting to think about the murder junkies started coming in and like Merle Dino and then like Gigi came in and it's precisely around that time that I was having a second thought about calling him out <laughs> he just came in like I think he was just wearing his uh those his jock his like leather bikini he just came in like he, you know, he, he looks like he's being fired out of a, a gun, you know, like he's walking, it's like fist clenched, kind of like a Neanderthal looking dude. And his head is like squares. He just looks so different, cut up and Gigi. And uh, he just went into the, into the room where the, before, so everyone just gets up and swarms in and um, the music starts and uh, we couldn't really get into the room per se. My, my friend, Jared, grabbed my hand I was like I'm going up to the front you want to come with me and I was like no um not at all and I kind of hid back by the bar to listen to the music but I was also always shorter than everyone like when I went to see the cramps at CBGB's I couldn't see a fucking thing because I'm like so I mean I don't know maybe I'm not much taller now I'm the same height but everyone was always taller and so I was used to not seeing it a lot um and I think it was the second song. I've heard that he played three songs, but and this he started playing "Look Into My Eyes and Hate Me," and I know this for a fact because I then bought that single on red vinyl, 
which is stolen from me. Could put my kids <laughs> in college if I had that. You know, like I feel like it'd be worth so much money, right? Right. Ah, <sighs> but um, he started. They started playing "Look Into My Eyes" and hate me, and then this very strong smell of shit hit the air, and it was like, ah! you know, pandemonium because you know, it's taking a shit in the room, like something's not right, but it's Gigi, you know, it's like, this is a, this is a weapon now. And people were just scrambling to get out of there. And um, the coolest thing in the world that I have, like, I'm so happy I have sight because I've seen some really cool things, but like this mother, I assume she was their mother, had two little girls with her at the gas station. I would say they were like five and seven, just to give you like, they like were punk wearing, looking or normal looking people. She was a punk. The little girls, the little girls had like these, those little like tank t-shirt dresses with like the little rosebud at the collar. Oh, yeah. it, they were both white. I don't know if this was a psychotic hallucination, but like I, I can see them as pure as day. They were like kid dirty, you know, and they, they, they were, I imagine they were kind of upset, but she was holding them and they were, they were leaving the gap, like the, the yard, we were pouring out into the street um, to get away from this. And I remember these two little girls, they're the punkest fucking people on the planet. Like, I want to hear their story. Yeah. I want to talk to the mom and be like, at what point did this feel like a sound choice for you and your family, but no judgment. I'm just curious, but we well, were, he put out a record called expose yourself to children. Like that is a, a big red siren not to bring a kid. Well, that's the thing I was thinking about it recently. You no, know, when we were talking about this, and I was like, you know, there's so many things that I find so normal, but now that I have a little child, there's certain things I just, I can't imagine myself doing them with her just because of the stuff that could go wrong. Even just the size of these two little kids they can be easily picked up, you know, Lord, mm -hmm. just like, j just even just having them like the, ups, uh, like the trauma of being this moment. Like for me, it's hilarious. I had this crazy G not their experience, but my experience is crazy. And I was, I, but I was like, I was not a baby. I was little, but like, I wasn't, um, but I still, it's so crazy. They're so like, it's such a vision anyway um but so we we get out into the street and are just kind of everyone's just kind of hanging out because he's inside tearing the place apart and i later talked to my friend jared about it and he was like hiding somewhere and you could hear him just tearing angrily tearing the place apart and everyone's just there what do you do? Like, what do you do? It's as close as we can get to the action at this point, because shit can only fly so far. And then it's so weird because then he come came out and we all and people back up even more. And I don't know why, but this another tour bus was now down and the, the gas station was down on like kind of Alphabet City. So what fucking tour? Like how much, like, we were like, look, we only have $8 between the 10 of us. We may as well get on a tour bus. There's one in, you know, Alphabet City. Like, what were they doing? But he came, I, he came out and somehow had this American flag. I'd love to talk to other people who were there and was waving it in front of the bus. Like, 
uh, and, and like stopping the bus. And then he took off and everyone followed him and we followed him around like just the serpentine thing, uh, like the serpentine path through like Alphabet City. And then he went up into an apartment and everyone just waited. And then he he came down and he was wearing like a jacket, I guess, because that would now throw them off because like, who's going to know Gigi Allen, that guy smells like shit and is covered in like scabs, but he's wearing a jacket. So he doesn't like, and so then he put his jacket on at one point. He like, was like, go, like, he was like gesturing for us to go away, but we we're like, uh, we can't see where this goes. And so we followed him. We followed him over to, I want to say Houston street. And then he got into a taxi and I, he, he writes off. Away. Yes. Cause I wasn't there, but I have watched the video of this happen many times. You know, this whole thing is recorded. Is it, is it uh, from Todd Phillips's documentary? No, it's a bonus feature on the hated DVD that okay, now lives I, on YouTube. I have that DVD. I, I, I gotta watch. I auditioned for Todd Phillips once. And after all was said and done, I was like, I have to tell you, um, I was at that show and he was like, what? And, and then he gave me the, like, he gave, like, he had someone in the office give me the DVD. I didn't get the part, but, um, but it, that, that documentary came out a few weeks, like same month. I think it came, he died in, he died in June, the 20th, 28th or something. And the documentary came out in July. Yeah. Cause it's, I think the documentary ends before he dies. Yeah. But, but and then there's this bonus feature on the dvd of Gigi's last show and it's that footage of you guys walking down the street following him and him trying to ditch everyone and get into cabs and cabs won't pick him up because he's covered in shit <laughs> oh it's funny i actually the cabs are very uh on my wedding day uh, after we were married we, uh, my ex-husband and i in our wedding club i was wearing a wedding dress we hailed a cab and we were like can you take us to queens and he was like no and drove away so i can imagine yes. that he don't want gg allen yep. um, you, were, you were wearing your gg allen shirt at that yeah. time so it's like <laughs> well a few hours later yes but um oh, I, I don't know that i've watched it i guess because i've seen i saw the documentary so we were all kind of like you're in this like shared psychosis <laughs> and then what do you like what do you do and so having that documentary come out after that was awesome because we could keep living I, and even though he only played i think two songs maybe three but like it was so it was an, it was enough like even reliving i might i have like water um but we went and my friends and I went to see that documentary we five times that summer. We just kept going into the city. It was playing at some place like on like first and first, I want to say like film forum or some some like art theater and just watching it over and over again. Like, all right, guys, if you've got questions about the show, only Matt Squeaker and I can answer them. But you know, like um it's so it's so crazy. Well well, it's funny because like it is he is someone much of the same way like Ian Mackay from Fugazi mm -hmm. and Minor Threat, like you know, is someone that affects everyone that was into this music after a certain point in some way, positively or negatively. People like him or don't like him. Gigi Allen's someone that you bring it up and it's like 
it, it, I, you know, it's like a, it's a symbol that everyone immediately knows, you know, like it's just the most extreme performer that's ever lived for, not for the best reasons, mind you, but there's no one that will do that, thankfully, ever again. Yeah, he did it. And like, we're good. I actually, after going, people talking about it, one of my friend's girlfriends was pissed off at me. She was like, how, how could you do that? How could you go see that misogynistic, hateful, horrible person? And, and you know, I, I couldn't find the words to say, well, I, I did go to call him out. <laughs> this is so crazy. <laughs> so crazy. Like, just the, just who the hell do you think you are, Sarah Burns? Like, ah, Gigi, I have a question for you before you begin playing your song. Um, why are you full of shit? Like, who... What was I going I don't even know what my plan was, but um, I had all the answers. I, I um, uh, on Terry T, host of Cherry Blossom Clinic, like a great radio show, and she's she's just awesome. This punk rocker, she confronted Gigi. At yes, the, you know, and, <laughs> and he uh, ended up uh, eating her tampon. And... Yes, I, I, I you know, that's actually how I got introduced to your podcast. Duffy Duffy told me about that. And like, just list, I was so, it was like joyous listening to her, like her and, and like her memory of everything so much better than like, I'm giving you like faint lines here. I'm sorry, but. Well, but that's the thing I find like fascinating is that this is just one chapter in your life. Like Terry T is a lifer punk rocker and, and, you know, but this, this is like somewhere that at some point you go somewhere else and wind up you know, working with Viola Davis, like, I know. How, it's like, that's why I feel like, you know, I'm like, who am I? They're going to know about all this shit. Um, but I'll, I'll let you know that Fred Armisen, when he was on one of the times he's been on, he said that uh, Todd Phillips and him were going to work on a project together. And Todd Phillips gave him a copy of hated and he has never had the courage to even watch it. You lived wow. it. Yeah. Oh my God. Excuse me, Mr. Fred Armisen. Now I think I finally got into the cool group there. He says, I think he's so cool. Like I just. Well, he's I mean, a New York hardcore kid too. Yeah. And he actually plays punk right in my neighborhood every couple weekends. Like he does punk shows at this place called permanent records roadhouse. And I'm always like, I kind of want to go there, but I also, I don't know what if it's not, you know, great, you know, <laughs> It'll uh, be, I think you should go. And just heckle by yelling out Gigi Allen songs the whole time. Yeah, I go in my Gigi Allen shirt, which, by the way, I can wear as a necktie at this point. I, this is like years later, babies, COVID, um, let it all go. But I could like wear a little like little headband or something. Yeah, that's crazy. I mean, it's not like the it's a DVD, so it's not super visceral. It's not like <laughs> it's it is real though. Like I I <laughs> I would make these cannabis documentaries. And so I'm filming with like illegal cannabis growers, you know, like armed people, very, very hard, heavy people. And we're hanging around smoking weed. And I'm like, have you guys ever heard of Gigi Allen? And they're all like, no, what's that? And I'm like, oh, so I find hated on YouTube and we put on hated and just one by one, every single one of them being like, yeah, I'm out. I can't watch this. <laughs> it's, it, do you know my, do you know who gave me my first Gigi Allen CD? No. My mother. <laughs> <laughs> my mom. My mom. I just, sorry, that's a segue. Yes, but, tell me. Um, one, I think it was like when I was 15, 
uh, my mom, I think, felt guilt about what she'd done on my fourth for four, my 14th, like my when I was 14. She gave me all these like she gave me like aspirational clothes, like very colorful clothing, like silky green pants and silky green tops, thinking I was going to like stop dressing in all black and, and wanted to like cheer things up. And then we I was like, fuck this or, you know, in whatever way. And we laughed about it. And so the next year, I think she was trying to like make up for it and see who I was. And uh, I, I asked for a Gigi Allen CD and she got me two Gigi Allen CDs for Christmas. <laughs> Where would she have gone to buy them back then? Like you couldn't just buy that stuff at the mall then. I don't know. She might've gone, she would either have gone, there was a place called Slip Disc by me that had all these punk, uh, it had like, it was a punk place. They had a punk section. They had like um, metal section and, I, she maybe she went there because I'm sure she'd driven me there to like be super cool and punk and buy some stuff. Um, I doubt my mom went into like Bleaker Bob. I mean, who knows? She could have even yeah. gone to like Tower Records or something and like or met up in Bottom Off Merle on the street. Yeah, I think used to sell CDs on the street too. Yeah, I I um I did see him on the streets in in Manhattan. I never saw Gigi Allen. I don't know where they kept him when. He wasn't out like I, it's part of me, though, after seeing the documentary feels sad for him, uh, like really sad for him. And, you know, I mean, I say that with like a little guilt because he also was dating underage girls and saying horrible shit, expose yourself to children and stuff. But I feel really bad for him. Just like I feel like there's some probably like latent mental illness and then like to learn that like whether or not he was dosed against his, like without his knowledge. And then maybe that like set him off or something. And then just becoming that kid who there's always like a kid like that in the group who does the craziest shit. He drinks the most shit. He staples something to his chest or like, like, you know, steps in fire, like, cause they want attention, but like he so ex extreme, but also there were other people doing like body manipulation well, that's the thing. He eventually at some point kind of gets assumed into that New York performance art world a little bit. Like he was on the affliction video and, but like what you're saying, what he's doing doesn't seem like it was coming from like a thesis kind of place where he's intellectually thinking about what he's doing so much as yeah, like the kid that will do terrible things for his friends because he gets a reaction from them yeah. that eventually just starts doing it for a career, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, that just struck me like after like the, the show, I you know, it's just more like, well, what a crazy cool spectacle. But then watching and learning about him afterwards, like, oh, it's sad. Like he just did you ever see the video of him where he was on um I thought it was like like a talk show and he was with I think he's on Geraldo, right? Because Geraldo gets mad at his brother for having the the Hitler looking mustache at one yeah. point after so like after like i think it was after the thing where it's like consuming every talk show he was on but he was also on a one like a talk show i thought it was like jenny but it, it wasn't jenny it, it not sally jesse raphael but there was like a woman a daytime talk show and he's on it with a 15 year old girl who's his girlfriend and um this guy named michael alleg who was a club kid at the time who eventually we heard about because he killed another club kid and dismembered this party monster. Guy. Yeah. Yes, yeah. 
Um, Which was at the limelight, like you brought up earlier, the limelight. Yeah, so dark. Like, I, I just remember being so thankful for how whatever craziness I got into, like, no one was chapping each other up or anything. Like, um, but that was on the periphery, like meeting kids whose boyfriends had been murdered, you know, just mm-hmm. all, all the kids who went. But he was on this talk show and Michael Alley gave him ecstasy or something and he took it and i was always convinced whether this is true or not that he there was like a little panic in his eyes because he had to do the performance of taking the drug on stage but being unprepared for taking any drug on a talk show you know just i just i don't know i just i felt i felt bad i feel sad for a lot of people you know like where you just see into them you think and Mm -hmm. oh man poor guy he's putting on the show but he must be exhausted yeah it's it's the, uh, Gerard Cosloy went from Matador Records when he was on the show because he played in Gigi's band, two different lineups of Gigi's band. <laughs> he has this, Whoa. He has, this story, he has this story where Gigi, like, you know, trashes everything. He's covered in shit and he's, none of them are going to give him a ride home. <laughs> like, no, you're not getting my car. And he's just like standing there naked at the end of the night covered in shit. And it's like, yeah, I don't know. It doesn't seem like a fun life to be living. No. And then Cause you're just, you're the, if you're the spectacle, you, you can't just have your day off and be like, yeah, I'm just putting on my jams. I'm just going to yeah. listen to my jams today and have some beers, but you, yeah. you know, gotta be the guy who's like, all right, I'll oh, fine. Okay. I'll just cut my ear off, you know, like, or whatever. Well, I guess that's why Dave Brocky had, you know, had that character. Cause at least he could take off that character and be the guy in the acid wash jeans or stone wash jeans. Yeah. Well, and well, the time I met him, he was, touring with like bad cop or oh yeah the uh ex-cops no is ex-cops it... something yeah yeah so maybe I, don't, I actually learned from your show that they would they would have to eat like mints to keep themselves cool because of the the, the heat. heat inside the costume i never even gave that a thought i was just like it's fucking great you know like <laughs> but such a fun show they, they were such a fun show one thing, that all, one thing that comes up on this podcast a lot that I'm, I'm like totally kind of enamored with is that post Gigi Allen dying period where the band is still existing in some capacity. I think they had two singers at one point, one who would just do the fucked up stage stuff and one who handled the vocals with the murder junkies. I I, I mean, what? there's no, where are they all? I know like Mer- Merle, does he live in LA? I think so. I think, I think, I think there are some of them are still kicking. The weirdest thing is like, I first learned about this post period because my friend Simon Doom uh, was like, kind of like bullied by this gang of Gigi Allen disciples in the post Gigi Allen era and kind of tormented by them. Um, oh God. And then I had Omar Doom on who uh, is Quentin Tarantino's best friend. And he's been in a bunch of Quentin Tarantino movies. Those are really his main acting roles. And he was a Long Island kid. But he was part of the Gigi Allen gang after Gigi Allen died, and and presumably. Do you know where in Long Island he lived? I, I don't know. I'm trying to remember. He was on the show. It's not a very long episode, but it is. It's an interesting one because he was in some band, and he had a he had a backyard with some skate ramps, so people would come over and they could skate on his ramps, and he played in some hardcore bands, and. It would have been around the same sort of time period too, so I imagine like I gotta look that up because I wonder. Omar Doomy was his name before. Doomy. Yeah, before he christened himself Omar Doom. I mean, that's perfect. Yeah, yeah. That's a fucking cool punk rock name to give your kid. 
I, I got to find out, though, like, at what point you go from a person who's seeing hated multiple times at Gigi Allen shows to deciding that, like, this is not the path one should stay on in life or or like did you get to a point where that was a decision or it just kind of happened naturally or I don't, I don't know like I don't know I, I I wonder if maybe now I'm like not on a different path but just a diluted version of that because like again like you're going to work with someone like Viola Davis like it's very different from carrying a gas can around New York city to fill up your car so you can get to the DG Allen. So it's very different, but you know, just the way my life's kind of gone. I, I, I went to college in San Francisco and like, and then lived in bright, you know, like I just, I don't even know how I ended up here. You know, I just like stumbled around into like, whatever the fuck, whatever I'm doing now, like, did you go to shows in San Francisco when you moved out there or was that kind of something you kind of stopped doing when you were in New Long Island or like New York, Long Island? I still, I went to shows. I went to see this. I remember like the first week I was there, I went to see the Peaches down mm -hmm. in like somewhere and I'd go see, um, I went to see Citizen Fish. It was the first time I got to go to Gilman Street. Actually, it was the only time I went to Gilman Street and it was like a very, I was like, this is a very different vibe. This is very different from New York. It's so strange. They don't know what they're doing. You know, just <laughs> such a New York jackass, like such, you know. But it's interesting how different that scene is from that New York scene you're describing that was, you know, almost apolitical, you know, or, or even right-leaning in times to what was going on in the Bay Area at the time where it's all like Food Not Bombs in the park or Gilman All Ages shows and very political and a lot more kind of in keeping with sort of this um, DIY kind of vision of the world. And there, there were things too in New York that were like that, like there was, um, I guess ABC no Rio, of course. Yeah. That, yeah. that, that, there was two parts of that venue. There was like, you could go downstairs to the shows and you could go up to like the reading area, which was so intimidating <laughs> because there's, there was also this, I'm a Long Island kid. I thought all these kids just lived in New York City and were the coolest punkest. They knew, I'm, I'm sure every single one of those kids in there was also feeling like, just don't ask me the name. You know, I never wanted to be asked names because I couldn't memorize it all. Um, and, you know, like, God forbid, and then find out, you know, I'm, I'm leaving this show, but I'm going to go home and listen to Sisters of Mercy. Like, that's not cool. You know, like, um, but that was intimidating and, and cool. But then there was also like a, missing foundation mm -hmm. um and they i didn't see this show but apparently they put down all this uh metal like sheet metal in um in the park uh in thompson Tompkins square park they put sheet metal down and then the audience participated in their show um and like all the all the like the punks like the i guess crust punks call them at the time um living in the that park like that whole scene and like nausea and um there's actually did you this is a very did you ever hear this band called anti-schism from texas south carolina is it yeah it is oh, texas oh, or south carolina i think you're i think you're correct because i think that's why i have trouble finding them it's i think they relocated eventually to texas because i went to a barbecue 
at uh, one of the members' house years and years ago, but I'm a huge fan. By the way, Sarah, <gasps> everything you're dropping is the fucking coolest shit ever. Oh, oh I, that's oh. so cool. I'm wearing a Target shirt, a uh, Target Quest shirt. Um, but I, it's because it's a, a, a Ouija, Ouija board. board. Yeah, and I exactly. thought if we needed to conjure Gigi, we could. Um, <laughs> oh, my God, that's so cool. So was the singer for Anti... So there's, there's like nine songs that have downloaded onto my phone for when my car connects to my phone there it's Christmas music and like seven anti-schism songs. So if I connect, but I don't connect through whatever I'm listening to it, my mom would drive my daughter and it's like, she's here in anti-schism. Um, I love them. They, they were the, they um, were like a comfort to me when I was, when they, when I was first hearing them, because they were singing about everything that I had questions about and like, just and so so now uh, as an adult who's like wants to buy a home or like it, it, it I know I'm I'm grown up I'm a different version of we're all more mature than that but their words or their thought like I'm still like how do I reconcile and so sometimes when it comes on I'm reminded of like how do I reconcile this you know like we're talking about the edifice Hollywood with this band I'm still I still like enjoy I just I just sound like such a little dork I still really enjoy a nice session with anti-schism you know (laughs) I'm a massive anti-schism fan and oh oh, I love that band I've got I got I I would go over there and pull over all the anti-schism seven inches but I got a lot of weird variations on different things because they're fucking fantastic and they have never come up on the show oh oh oh, cheers yeah very cool Oh, that's so. Was the singer for uh, Antisism? Her, was her name Liz? That's what I wish I could remember because that's whose barbecue I was at years ago. Oh <laughs> my! Whoa, that's so cool. Yeah, Damn, that's radical. That's what? so. That's so. She just like, just to to, to hear her sing with like she had a lot of pain in her voice. You know, just like it's so cool. You know, just like I didn't get teary eyed when I played and I've never intentionally played anti-schism for my daughter Freya but like when I got teary eyed playing them uh uh bikini kill you know but maybe I will win it but it's just like so it, it's a harder sell than bikini kill like it's hard to it's hard it's really hard to you know and uh to latch to what is it word when you clip your you hook your boat onto a dock uh, tie it to the bot i'm an indoor kid i play D &D, so i definitely do not know about boats they're making a movie uh i know i know i'm i'm very uh they've made movies before right like there has been dungeons and dragons films before to me it's like one of those unfilmable things but even just reading the comments oh is my thing gonna die i don't want to die would you excuse me for just a moment so no, I please. can just plug yeah. my phone? I'm sorry, I'll be right back. I'm gonna get my right anti-schism now. records. Yes, yeah, okay, perfect. Okay, I want to see these records. Oh, so um, wow! I gotta get all the LPs, but I but I definitely have, as I say, a few seven inches. Holy cow, those are so cool! I'm. Uh, I, I hope that your kids don't burn those for fuel immediately eventually but oh that's so cool i'll say send to sarah burns please before yes yeah yeah if i'm still alive yeah i expect those like that's so neat i i've never met you know my 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 best friend my 
uh, Matt, he was my boyfriend, my best friend. He's the one who introduced me to anti-schism. And we, you know, just because it was like, oh, uh, you know, a girl singing, you, this is, this is going to be right up your alley. Like, just, I'm very thankful for that. That's a good. Well, like you're saying, there's also nausea. Like there were, uh, you know, as much as it's sort of this macho male dominated scene, there, there are these right from the beginning, like incredibly important bands and that were women and, and queer people and non-binary people. And just, just like a, it was a place that in spite of the sort of macho prevailing element still had a space that people fought for and were able to put out incredibly important records and and make incredibly important art yeah so i guess like uh, we'll forgive them for like the you know the transgression of just existing in the time period you know because like some stuff just doesn't age mm -hmm. like you're just like okay well we were trying for that and uh not that it doesn't age but just like you look back and you're like well I I really believed all the stuff that was going on, but at the end of the day, you know, there were guys were ogling girls or touching, you know, like just getting touched at shows was just like, oh, that's just happening, you know. Yeah. yeah getting, not, well, I don't mean yeah, like I'm agree. No, yeah. no, no. You're like, well, take it or leave it. No, no, I no, I understood that. But just like, you know, just maybe because there weren't as many women there, or why well, say girls? Because I, I I was a child. So like I think it's just it is it's not an idealized version of society much as it's a microcosm for society but 10 years ahead like the conversations we were having in punk shows are conversations that society winds up having five to ten years later i find but at the same time they're just there's just like tons of fucking horrible people yeah in society you know like, there's always a little turd in the group, you know. There's always <laughs> well, there's and then there's 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 a, a person literally throwing turds. Yeah, I know. You know? I, I, it was a little on the nose to use that term, but like yeah, but there's that, and that's at the same time as we have you know anti schism in punk, we have Gigi Allen. Like it's these polar ends of human expression and 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 artistic expression and stuff and like you're saying like it's something that you carry to this day it's like religion in a weird way where these weird morals and these weird records end up having an impact on us that we're still thinking about as adults that you know have to worry about housing and and food and we're still cynical about it because of what we experience as young people yeah the cynic this i i always think like i don't know if it's a constant discussion or something that, but it's always turning in my head, I refer to it as the nineties question, like the stuff that I can't, it, it's such a specific time period and only some people would be interested in talking about, but it really like still vexes me. Like this is silly, but the white goth, do you remember them? Like there'd be the goth who'd be all in white and they'd be like even more goth than all the rest of everyone just all in black. Just, I, it's such a specific I don't know. And I don't know if it translated from where I grew up to Canada or anywhere else on the planet, but like just the one crazy goth who was like, fuck it. I'm going all one white. And you're like, whoa, like, wolf call. But, but that's when they're like listening to like Coil and Death in June and White House. Like that's when they've gone. Yeah. yeah. Like they've gone real spooky and the shit they're listening to is, is you know, verging on Gigi Allen in its own space. Yeah. Are you familiar with um, Ron Athey and like his art and stuff? He he did a lot of body manipulation and use of his own like a fluvia 
And uh, did they make a documentary about him at some point? Is it he's not the guy in Sick, right? That documentary about the artist. No, who his body. no, okay. no. That guy. I met his 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 uh, his. I met his for his wife, I, Bob oh. Flanagan. No, that's yeah. Bob Flanagan. Okay. Um, I'm lying. I didn't meet his wife. I'm I'm lying. <laughs> Check my ID because I don't know what. Uh, no, I, that's something I'm blurring. But uh, yes, that. And and he was in like the modern primitive stuff. But Ron yes. Athey, I I I I I heard you talking about it. But Ron Athey is written about in modern primitives, and he's like um just such he's wonderful and just you know all the the flesh and the commentary on like aids and just you know the it's really in his art where it's 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 performance art and mm -hmm. uh i actually um this sounds so bizarre but i he does like body work massages um in los angeles and my friend for my birthday a couple of years ago got me a massage with run athey oh wow and, um it was the best thing in the world. And I'm convinced it's how I got pregnant. I did not conceive the child that day. But um, very soon after, my partner and I um, were like, hey, you know, we should think about, let's think about a family. Let's see. And I was, I got the massage and I was like pregnant. And I, it was almost like he unlocked something and I've got to go back, have him close it back up. But like <laughs> the best massage in the world. But truly like the punkest massage I've ever had. So it's pretty cool. But did you he, punish he, like, him? Oh, sorry, go on. What, no, no. What were you gonna? What, what uh, you I was say? like, I would be tempted. Like, did you punish him with questions during the massage? Like, oh, that feels amazing. But one question. Well, uh, well, back well, in modern well, primitives. Uh, um, no, I did, I tried to play it cool. I'm not good at that. Like, I, I met. Um, I just worked with Malcolm McDowell, and and I like. It, at first, I was like, I think I've mentioned this. I was like, mm -hmm. so uh, haha. It very immediate, like. <laughs> He played my father, you know, and, so, and I eventually was just like, I slept under a poster of you for a year, you know, like I had to let him know. And um, I, I think I played it cool because there's an element like you're taken down a notch when you're like wearing your underpants and nothing else. So I'm like chatting nervously during the massage. Thank you. Feels good. But it was pretty great. It was great. I like I feel that's the reason I do this podcast is just so I could not have to do the massage, but still get to punish the person. You know, yeah, like, uh, question. Yeah, just pepper the person with these questions that you know otherwise would be kind of inappropriate to pepper someone with questions about. You know, I I think as long as I'm like too much of an inquisitor, I like fire questions at people and like, well, what about blah blah, blah. hands up the second the second the floor is open for questions, I'm like, hmm. Um, I did hear the best question in the world recently at my my daughter's friend's birthday party. One of the little kids raised his hand and was like, um, how do snakes get around if they don't have wheels? <laughs> it's like the cutest. <laughs> so like there's never, that, I mean, you should maybe start every podcast with that. I'm just saying, anyway. Uh, that's so a good, good opener. So, so cute. <laughs> how do they get around without wheels? I don't know. I don't know. I guess. I can't answer that. Yeah. That's the thing about having kids is like, there's questions they ask you where you've never thought about it and you have no answer. And it's almost like frustrating because you're like, yeah. damn it. How'd you <laughs> like a logic uh, puzzle? I say all the time. I don't know. Let's look it up. I mean, yes. we never do because I just don't know. Oh, I look it up but, all the time on my phone. I'm just like constantly yeah, like, let's oh, just yeah. look it up. Let's just look it up. Let's look it up. I don't know. I don't know why. <laughs> I don't want to get caught in a lie with them. I don't want them to be yeah. like, no dad, it's not that. 
Yeah. Oh, I get corrected all the time. And uh, my daughter is like very, I don't know where she is, like overdramatic and emotional. <laughs> and uh, I said something to her recently, like, oh, we can't, we're not gonna be able to hang out with uh, one of my best friends, Julia. And she went, oh, is she going to be devastated? Like just like interesting listening to this cuckoo. It's my uh, youngest child has discovered Nirvana. And it's sweet. It's fascinating though, because it's like I play him everything and nothing connected. And I don't know if it's because he also hears it on the radio, but he just become became, has become obsessed with Nirvana. And as long as it's Nirvana, and he can tell, I can put on something, he's like, No, that's not Nirvana. And I'm like, Okay, so we have to listen to Nirvana again. I get it. How cool. Just, I, that, that's so that's well done, Dad. Well, that's not, believe me, it's not through my doing. Like, that's what I'm, because my eldest wants nothing to do with any of these records. Like, he, <laughs> these will be going in a landfill if he winds up with these things. Um, Do, do you like Nirvana? I, I like Nirvana, yeah. Like, they were never my favorite band because I I, I got into Sonic Youth. And oh, yeah. After Nirvana was kind of happening. So I don't feel like the same sort of like ownership to them that a lot of people do, but I, I definitely like, there's some Nirvana songs that I love. I think I've, I've grown to love them more over time. I, um, I asked you that only cause I, I got that sense actually. Um, that's funny. Cause I, I got to see Sonic Youth a bunch of times, um, at the Ritz, even in, at once in like Central Park. Whoa. They played this huge show in Central Park um oh i think they made a live record of that was it in the 2000s uh i think it would have been mid to late 90s okay Okay. um everyone was wearing nightgowns that was like the time when everyone was wearing nightgowns um but i remember clacking someone i was like that's a cool nightgown but um uh i my friend told me before Nirvana was like about to break out and stuff. She was like, oh, this is going to be the next big thing. We should go see them. And I was like, what? Uh, but she's like a very fashion-y person. So it's either Nirvana or microdosing or chintz uh, dresses or whatever. Like she always is into that shit. But um, at the seeing the video for uh, Smells Like Teen Spirit, I, I-, I was like, oh, my God there are people like that out there. Like, just like, that was pretty cool. I felt pretty excited about that. Like there are others, you know, I've got a friend who, uh, he was, he was in prison at the time and just was about to be sent to solitary confinement and heard on a, like a radio that had been smuggled in Nirvana. And he said, that was like what gave him hope for getting through solitary so he could get out and And listen. Yeah. How long was it? I, think, I forget he, he goes into it on the podcast when he was on it but i think he, he did nine and a half years for armed robbery when he was 16 years or 17 years old he went in holy cow in america in america yeah in florida yeah, that sounds like that sounds like holy cow nine and a half years when he's yeah. 16 that's yeah. wild and a prison guard set him up for arson and that's what he was going to solitary for and i think he, he says he i forget how many weeks he did and i forget i guess he would have been maybe 19 by that point but like still like it's great like solitary confinement at 19 years old like holy oh, your baby like you're oh oh man i i don't envy his parents like the terror of like dropping your kid off at school but like dropping your kid off at prison for it's like oh yeah. and how oh poor kid how scary yeah it's a, it's a wild wild episode his life is a very wild you know uh, cinematic kind of life 
Um, well, ultimately, okay. he's a, he's a professional wrestler and in the WWE and and doing very well for himself and you know has come through it on the other side. But yeah, <laughs> some very hairy years. But Nirvana gave him a lot of strength. I think that's the thing is everyone's relationship to them is so different. And to me, uh, I was a Guns N' Roses fan at the time when uh. Nirvana first exploded. And it was like, they had beef with each other. So mm -hmm. I'm like, I was suspicious of Nirvana at first. It's funny. Oh yeah. I, so I don't think there's been a day in my life where I haven't wanted, like if Guns N' Roses comes on, it I, doesn't matter what I'm doing. It's like if Moonstruck comes on and I'm, I'll drop everything and watch the movie. But there's just like, Welcome. We were singing this to our daughter, like, welcome to the jungle, baby. You know, just like, here. it's so great. It's yeah. so great. It's yeah. so great. I, yeah, and I, there was such a beef between Nirvana and, and like, the L.A. metal. Well, it was like a changing of the guard moment, right? Like, that was where, I guess, the alternative nation of the 90s was coming in, and Guns N' Roses, who I guess were the apex of sort of the 80s glam metal thing, even though Guns N' Roses obviously weren't glam metal, but, like, you know, like it was just sort of this weird change of the garden. I think I felt threatened as like a little kid being like, no, I don't know about this new thing. I like this old thing still. I know I'm, there was such there was such a beef between the freaks in, in high school, like our side and the metalheads. I remember like my friend talking about I just this metalhead put his hand in the car and I kept stabbing him with <laughs> with um, a safety pin, you know, like, oh, God, we got and it's like. A couple of um, two years ago, or within the last two years, we were driving from here to wherever the hell we were going, and there was a like a little teenage metalhead, cute baby metalhead. I want to say he was plugged into an amp in his vehicle. The back hatchback was up, long curly black hair, perfect denim vest over whatever shirt he was wearing just playing his guitar just playing his guitar and like in a parking lot and I was like what a beautiful child and when I was his age I would have been like eh, fuck you you know like but meanwhile I, I would even credit Def Leppard for making me do a detour from the world of pop music because pour some sugar on me turned like baby Sarah away from the world of like whatever was happening at the time. Well, Olivia Newton-John. I remember being like needing, knowing I needed hard music, not like I played music. I was playing like Iggy Pop for my friend once a couple years ago. And she was like, why are you so angry? And I'm not, it's just like, it like, it like syncs up with whatever frequency is in my head something harder or something yep. punk or metal or, you know, now like really love, I really have gotten into metal. I love it, but like, sorry, but it's what? just like, no, go on. Sorry. No, no. I, I was, uh, it, it's like, it, it's the right frequency for the way my brain is vibrating and it's, it syncs up and I'm calm. But if I were, I'm sorry to say this and I'm using her as a scapegoat, but if I were to listen, I heard like a, um, a Taylor Swift, um, sorry, because I don't want to, I know, I know, like her fans are very crazy. Oh, she and, doesn't and, have a big listenership on this podcast. <laughs> yeah. Well, you never know, because it's like sometimes you have to check in with the ultra crazy conservative websites, uh, not the websites, because you don't want them on your search history, but the news channels just to see what shit they're spewing. Like, so it's like, I don't, maybe they're, you know, checking on <laughs> Taylor Swift fans checking in. Like, I'm yeah, an ultra like, what's he saying now? <laughs> what's he up to? Okay, we're clear. Wait, who's this bitch? But just like it doesn't resonate with me at all. And I appreciate that she's 
even just what she's recently doing for Ticketmaster being held accountable for like the Ma Bell shit. But like, I listened to a music and I was like, oh yeah, get it off. We can't, it's, get it off, you know. I find that with the pop music and it's really like the, having kids has made me like, okay, well, I got to like it because you like it. Or not even that I have to like it, but I just, I have to bite my tongue and not be a judgmental asshole, even though that's my first natural instinct. Like, oh, this sucks, guys. Like, I don't know. I, I actually, good. we've raised Freya on the music we listen to. Like she, she had a cough recently and was holding a leaf from the street. So I taught her. Uh, sweet leaf but we could we, we would go <laughs> and do 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 and then it would turned in i love you street leaf sorry my voice is terrible um and i was so proud of her i my goal during lockdown my partner giovanni his goal was to teach her how to like spell her name and my goal was to teach her how to do the the call and response from institutionalized and so that like and we both got our wishes mine took longer but so we we have raised her on this music but somehow she has like found jojo siwa and mm -hmm. which i i kind of like jojo siwa because she's like a wonderful queer icon she's gonna save kids lives just by coming out the, at, at such an early age but um you know the other day she was trying to listen to it and i was like Ugh. yeah i gotta get it up i think that's the thing is like you can like you know i played the kids some of the most obscure expensive hardcore seven inches of all time and uh shock of shocks they don't like nearly as much as they like yeah. ksi or so strange. so strange yeah and it's it's are you sure they're yours like maybe you and your wife picked up the wrong kids or something i don't know that's Just when i got saying. suspicious i was like yeah. wait a second lauren let me do this math on this for a second because no but it like you know but in the same way i guess my my mom and dad listen to stuff well i don't know i felt maybe maybe i did feel like a little more like puppy doggish about the stuff my parents listened to and wanting to listen to the stuff that they were into but i think that's just the way culture was back then you had a lot less choice yeah, well my mom listened to rolling stones mm -hmm. i grew up like and like painted black like i remember being whoa hold up what is this this is fucking cool you know like and and but she she did go through like a country phase and and then and then it was like i can't, and then i remember her getting her playing the kinks a lot right as I was starting to swerve away from maybe when baby Sarah found Def Leppard, but, um, and being like, this is unacceptable and hating, hating, hating the Kings. And now really? I'm like, I appreciate them, but, and I enjoy them, but there's like, cause they're funny and like, but just being like, ugh, mom, and um, you know, poor mom. Yeah. My dad started listening to, uh, the bloodhound gang in the nineties and, uh, it was very weird. He was very, I'm like, I don't get it, dad. I'm not hearing yeah. what you're hearing on this thing. That's very, oh, I, I saw this dad and son both wearing corn shirts. It It's weird. We, you know the band, the Linda Lindas? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, they, they're like a family. Yep. They were on the podcast recently, and one of them said her, her first show was when she was like two years old. She saw Channel 3 with her parents. And the other two, their dad was in the punk band FYP. And it's like, there's a generation now of kids that were just grew up in this stuff. Like those two little girls. Yeah. Like Maybe those two little girls. They're going to have one hell of a band. They're oh going to have a great God. episode. <laughs> Their band's going to be like, did you see that? I didn't <laughs> see it because my eyes were torn out of my head and put back inside my head. 
Uh, the, I actually heard about the Linda Lindas from friends of ours. Um, that my um, my friend Mishna and her husband and daughter are got into the Linda Lindas together. So I think of them as a family band. There's actually like, oh no, they're not a family. There's this little girl. I saw this video of this little girl singing like like crazy oh, the, metal. I saw that too, like the doing the death metal kind of oh, vocal. That little girl, her name is like holler or scream. She I've played her for my little my daughter, my stepdaughter. Like this is where we're going. But I also saw another girl and she's like singing a slipknot song. And it's like I'm not a slipknot fan, but like I can appreciate, you know, like how fucking cool that is. You yeah, know, they got, they got a couple tracks. Yeah. I, I, yeah. It's weird. Yeah. Um, I love my partner and he grew up very like in a very different world. I was on Long Island. I had access to all these things and he there's I, he might kill me if I say the wrong band, but there's one it's like in the world of system of a down, but I don't know if that's it. I don't know if that's it, but it's the one where like we put it on and like we let him have this crazy moment where he's like singing in my face and I'm like, this would, I would have been like, ew, get away from me. But it's like it got in my it's in my bones enough to know like I don't know if it's system of a down but like I don't remember what it, but yes. it's just like all right I can fuck with this if yeah. I have to. well that's the thing is like you know like it, I think with getting into punk and hardcore music you know like like we were saying before about like the cynicism that comes with it there's a musical cynicism because you've listened to like the most extreme music possible through punk and hardcore like grindcore and blast beats and people throwing excrement like there's just like everything else that people listen to that's quote-unquote extreme or crazy just sounds so quaint like to me slayer always sounded quaint yeah oh and you know like then you see pictures of like a kardashian wearing a slayer shirt you know and then it's a commodified (laughs) thing and like you know our family song in our household is is a walk by pantera like that's the one song like everyone gets to and everyone sings along and it's like the family song um <laughs> that, i don't know what, what that comes from but like it's pretty cute to look in the back seat and see two little girls like talking to me you know it's adorable but i don't know why we're so enraged like it's basically telling people to fuck off because they're talking about us behind our back and no one's doing that as far as we know but it resounds it resounds with us i guess well that's the thing Well, Sarah, unfortunately, my computer is is about to fill up with uh, amazingness. This has been <laughs> awesome. Oh. And anytime you want to come back on the show, please know I'm, you're always welcome. Damien, I, I'm, I'm like the last couple of months of going back and forth over emails and stuff. Like, And I truly did think about you a bunch over the holidays because like, shit, I got to write him. I, I was like, oh, it's coming to an end. So I, I would love to take you up on that again. I love, oh, I like talking. Oh, and I still, I still owe you stories uh to share with your wife about biology. yeah wait we did not talk yeah we did not talk about uh how to get away with murder which is one of my all-time favorite shows and lauren's favorite shows but that's part two all right i like it and i'll try to remember, uh, you know what i can start doing is trying to remember some of the names of the bands that i spent my entire youth following around you know like <laughs> Oh, no, nothing. Nothing is coming. I can, it's like a blank slate. Nope. Well, next time we're going to do it on mushrooms. 
Okay, that sounds great to me. <laughs> That'd be great. We have to keep stopping to vomit or shit in the next room, but like, I don't care. <laughs> It'll be a lot of laughing and not a lot of content. Thank you, Sarah, for coming on the show. And you heard right there, Sarah hopefully will be back anytime she wants because that was a super fun conversation. As, as I said, that's why I love doing the show because uh, you, get, you get to have conversations like that. Um, all right. Uh, yeah, that was a good one. Hopefully, hopefully Sarah goes back soon. And check out Barry. Check out the Bill Hader episode. If you've not heard the Bill Hader episode of Turn Out of Punk, it's one of the all-time episodes as well. You know, there's something about that show. Hopefully Duffy will be coming on soon. I'm working on it. I'm, I'm trying to convince him. Duffy, got to come on, buddy. If you, if you hung on this long, you got to come on. All right. On to the next episode. Coming up on the next episode of Turned Out of Punk from the band Sum 41, my friend Cone is going to be here. I was on Cone's podcast, uh, or his radio show, sorry, uh, recently. And then now we, I had to make it happen. Finally got to make it happen. Uh, this has been something I've been working on forever. And, and, you know, anyway, I will get into it all next week. You'll hear it. And it's a very fun conversation with a very cool person. I've known for a very long time. A lot of varies there. Anyway, I'm very sorry to say that is the end of today's episode. Remember, as always, Black Lives Matter, the lives and issues of indigenous peoples all over the world matter. We need to protect trans kids and help trans people protect their rights and their their bodies and their, their persons, their, their selves. Um, it's very scary right now looking at what's happening, and not just in America, but it certainly is very pronounced what's happening in America right now. Uh, to, to see the rollback of of people's the targeted rollback of people people's liberties and and people's just rights to exist and uh yeah it is very very upsetting and i'm so sorry for people that have to experience this terrible moment in human civilization right now that we're at um so you know and, and also we need to stop hate and violence towards people of different races and different faiths and and stuff, but get involved. If there's organizations that are affecting positive change around you, please get involved. And also add to this list, you know, making sure that we protect people's rights to choose what they want to do with their reproductive systems, which is also something that's coming under attack, not just in America, like all over the place. And I say this as a very frightened Canadian looking at what's happening in America and culturally seeing it spread to up here as well. And let's be honest, a lot of this shit comes from up here too. So it's not like it's just coming from America. So once again, get involved in organizations that are affecting positive change in, in the world you live in, and it will hopefully make you feel better. Um, you know, like you, not that it's about feeling better, but it will, it will help, uh, may the world be a better place. But speaking of making yourself feel better, try meditating. I did not believe in it. And I find it something that I keep coming back to and has really changed uh, I've, I've gone so far as to say it changed my life. It has changed my life being in a meditation. I'm, and I'm not by any means the first person probably to tell you this, uh, but I definitely was reluctant to it, like a lot of people, and reluctant to try it, I should say. 
and I, now that I have it, it's really changed my life. So try it. There's lots of free apps to try it on and, and you know, YouTube videos. And, and if it doesn't work at first, you know, don't be hard on yourself because like it took me years to get to a place where I find that I'm getting something out of it. But all of it helps, you know, like every step of the way I felt like I was uh, benefiting from it in some way. Once, once I got over the initial, like, fuck, this sucks. Uh, speaking of, uh, well, no, speaking of fuck, this sucks, but get involved and, and do something for your music scene, you know, start a band, start a fanzine, start a podcast, well, podcast, but, but maybe do whatever. And, uh, you know, this is a culture that benefits from your contribution. So contribute to it. And speaking of contributing, contribute to the world and sign your organ donor card. Cause I've seen that shit perform miracles. I've seen organ transplants perform miracles and, uh, you know, you don't need those organs anymore. It's like literally dead weight by the time they come for them. So, hey, that's it. All right, everyone. Thank you very much for listening. And I will see you on, well, I won't see you. You'll hear me on the next episode. Stay safe. Love you.